it's cool to think about just how God uses women. And, and yes, we do have that example in Esther of her beauty gave her a foot in the door. But we also have these examples of these other women who God was using other qualities in them. It wasn't all about how they looked in the end. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. If you're listening today, I am so glad you have tuned in. Today, my guest is Rachel Reisner. She is a women's Bible study author, a pastor's wife, a homeschool mom to, are you ready for this? Eight kids from teenagers down to toddlers. Though her days are spent mostly teaching lessons, running kids to practice, and keeping her two-year-old from swinging from the chandelier, she can't resist squeezing in some time to write about what God's teaching her through the stories of women in scripture. Her first Bible study was published last summer, and it's titled Significant, Six Ordinary Women, One Extraordinary God. It's available on Amazon, and it's an awesome book, and I can't wait to have Rachel talk to us more about that today. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me, Heather. So I'm excited to talk to you because, well, we connected through Facebook and we started having kind of a side conversation about writing and all things writing, but but more so about your name. Our conversation started with (laughs) you talking about Rachel and the Rachel and Leah story and Mm -hmm. and me talking about my, my passion for Leah and her story. And I would just, I'd love to start there. I've talked about Leah a lot, but I'd love to get your input on that story, Leah's rejection, all the things. Talk to us about what you see in the Rachel and Leah story. Absolutely. I would be so glad to do that. Well, so my name is Rachel. And so I've always had this interest in the story of Rachel and Leah, you know, as a little girl, just wanting to know what's this Bible character Rachel all about. And I was so happy when I was a little girl that my name was Rachel because, you know, in the Bible story, Rachel's this gorgeous character. She has this dreamy love story with Jacob. It's almost like this love at first sight, um, Hallmark movie kind of story where he's willing to work 14 years hard labor just to marry her. And so as a little girl, I just remember being so thankful. Oh, I'm so glad my name is Rachel because Rachel was this beautiful character and she had this 
storybook romance. Um, but then, you know, oh, and I was also thankful, like, oh, I'm so sorry for all those girls named Leah. She mm-hmm. was, she was ugly. And, you know, Jacob didn't love her. And just feeling sorry for them and thankful for myself, I guess. Um, but then as I matured, and as my Bible study got a little deeper, and I worked through their story a little more, my perspective really changed. So as you go further in the story of Rachel and Leah, you see um, Rachel's life wasn't always so great. So of course she was beautiful and she had this fairy tale love story. But um, as her sister Leah, who's also married to Jacob, begins having children, Rachel just really struggles and she just she can't handle it. So she's overcome with these feelings of jealousy to the point where she says to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. It's like this woman who's just like on the edge, right? She just can't handle it. And she's just struggling so much. And as we, as she goes through her life, you just kind of see the struggle continue. She's just always wanting, you know, never satisfied and always wanting more children. She has she has a child finally, and she says, may God add more. And then, of course, in the birth of her second child, then she actually dies in childbirth. And, and in the struggle of having him, she names him Ben-Ani, which is son of my struggle. And so we just kind of see this depressing story in her life of, oh, well, Rachel was beautiful. And Rachel had this great romance. And yet she struggled and she never really was happy. You know, those things didn't make her happy in the end. It's kind of depressing, really, if you think about it. And so I had this change of heart where I was like, oh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want my life to be like that. Um, And then there's, of course, the flip side of it when you see her sister, Leah. And as I dug deeper into her story, I realized there's more to Leah than just the ugly girl nobody wanted. So we know from the Bible story that she had weak eyes. It was some sort of defect. Something was wrong with her. Um, Her father kind of pawned her off on Jacob. It was this tricky thing where she deceived Jacob into marrying her. And so she has this experience where she wakes up after their wedding night. And this is like, this is supposed to be her honeymoon, right? One of the best days of her life. And here she is waking up to this new husband who's upset and disappointed to be married to her. And that is just, I can't imagine that kind of rejection and how she must've felt. And so we see that that is hard for her. And over the next few years, we see that God sees that struggle, that she longs for the love of her husband. Um, and, and because of that, God opens up her womb. And so then she begins having children. And so We see as she has these children, she says these things that reveal to us that she's still hoping and and pining for Jacob's love. Really, she she wants that love from him. And so she says, maybe, you know, as she has these children, maybe, maybe my husband will love me now. Maybe my husband will become attached to me now. And then as she on the birth of her fourth son, as she bears her fourth son, we see something different from Leah. We see her hear her saying. Um, this time I will praise the Lord. And that is just so significant because her circumstances didn't change. Jacob didn't love her. Life wasn't going how she wanted it to go or how she thought it would go. And yet we still see that she turns her heart and prays to God, despite the fact that she has these disappointments in her life. 
And I think that's just such a powerful example to me, an example to all of us, because we all have these areas in our life, right, where we're let down, where things don't go the way that we want them to or the way we think that they will. And it can be, it can be in many different areas, right? It doesn't have to be romance like for Leah. It could be, you know, our career isn't taking off or we're struggling in a relationship. You know, we don't have a good relationship with our extended family or our parents or our husband, or it could be, you know, our children are disappointing us or not walking with the Lord. It could be all these things where we think, or even like the, if only like, if only I had a bigger house, then I'd be happier. If only <laughs> so many ways that we deal with disappointment in our life. And yet, so, so then we can look to Leah as an example of what to do in these times, because even when it doesn't work out, we can still praise the Lord and we can still honor him and, and glorify him even when things aren't going the way that we think they should. Heather here. Can I ask a huge favor of you? If something in the show has touched your life, would you leave me a review on iTunes? Throughout the month of April, I'll be giving away two free hours of coaching with me to one person who leaves a review. Screenshot your review and then drop it to me in an email so I know you want to enter. If you've already reviewed the show, that's okay. You can still enter too. I'll give you five bonus entries if you post the screenshot of your review on Facebook or Instagram stories and tag me. Thank you so much for your consideration and for your help. Yeah, and I love that because I feel like well, growing up, I mean, I felt the exact same way. You know, I would hear the story of Rachel and Leah and I would be like, oh, I know who I want to be in this story. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, and then another kind of like bone I have to pick with with Sunday school teachers <laughs> is I feel like that fact that Rachel was beautiful and Leah was at a minimum, not as beautiful as Rachel, I feel like that is glossed over, you know, mm. like women's, women's retreats, you know, oh, God made all women beautiful. And, and I think the message being sent there is that God made all women physically beautiful in an equal way. And that's just mm. not true. That's like saying God made everyone a talented singer. No, that's, mm. you can hear me <laughs> sing and you will know that I'm no Taylor Swift or Carrie Underwood or whomever, right? So it's, it's right. Like, so, but we, it's like, we almost need to, like, we say these things or we hear these things and we internalize them. It's like, we need, we need that as like some sort of affirmation, a, you mm. know, like a assurance that we're okay. But I think what's interesting about the Rachel and Leah story, and this is just, this kind of just came to me as you were talking, you know, back then beauty wasn't the commodity that they needed, mm. right? What they needed was children. So it's like Leah's story is not of Leah trying to make herself hotter. Like she's not like, you know, <laughs> as far as what we read, right? Like that's not in the biblical right. text that right. Leah like was trying all these diets and right. or like like <laughs> consulting plastic surgeons. I mean, I'm being a little far fetched here, of course, but but Leah wasn't like desperately on a quest to make her eyes look better, um, exactly. so she would no longer have dim eyes. Instead, it was like if I have children, then he'll love me, and and so it's interesting how even in the story. The commodity, as we read the story, we see Rachel's beauty as a commodity, right? As she mm -hmm. had, that's, she had the power because she was hot, but <laughs> she actually didn't have the power because what she needed was, was the power to have babies. Um, and God didn't give her that until later when he opened her womb. And so I don't know, I was just, I was kind of thinking about that whole, just the difference <laughs> between, <Yeah. laughs> between now and then, because very much now I would say that we believe that beauty is a commodity. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I think what's interesting about the Bible story, and you talk about this in your book and we've talked about it, beauty isn't always an asset. Mm-hmm. It's true. Beauty can sometimes not work out well for women. And so you and I've talked about the story of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Yes. So we've filled me in a little bit on that and how maybe beauty didn't work out so well for her. Sure. Yeah. Well, in the story of Sarah and Abraham, we first find out that she's beautiful at the point in the story when they are, they have left their home. They're, you know, going, traveling nomadic lifestyle, uh, in the promised land and it's not going well because there is a famine. So imagine that you've left your home and everything and, and here, here there's a famine. So they're in this desperate situation to where they need to travel to Egypt, where there's the Nile River. So there's more food there. There are more resources there. They're going to go there to avoid starvation and death. And as they're traveling to Egypt, uh, we find out that Sarah is beautiful because Abraham says to her, now, Sarah, we're going into Egypt and there are powerful men here and they're going to see that you're really beautiful and they're going to want to have you. And so if they find out that I'm your husband, they're going to kill me. <laughs> so don't tell them that I'm your husband. <laughs> so I'd that they don't so kill mad me. at my husband if that were the scenario, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Like, isn't your husband supposed to be your knight in shining armor? He's supposed to be protecting you. And instead, in this story, we have Abraham protecting his own hide. Right. So, and and this is Abraham, right? Like he's supposed to be this great man of faith. And yet here he's shaking in his boots because Sarah is so beautiful. Um, But Abraham is right in that Pharaoh does want Sarah, like she's beautiful. And so he asks for her and Abraham's like, sure, here you go. And gets paid in return, you know, all these, all this wealth and servants and things. Um, because she was joining his harem. I mean, I think that's like, yeah, like think about all the implications there. Right. (laughs) That's crazy to think about. And so we see that, I don't think that in this situation, her beauty was a blessing. I mean, can you imagine being put in that situation where it's like, here, this powerful guy just sees you and says, Hey, I want her. And then your husband is like, sure, go ahead. I mean, this is not, this is a difficult thing. I think for Sarah, Uh, but thankfully for her, even though she couldn't count on Abraham to protect her, God protected her. And of course, struck Pharaoh and his household with disease right. until, until she was returned. Yeah. And the crazy thing is it happens again, right? And it does again, chapter, right. Yeah, a couple chapters what. later, <laughs> yeah. happens again with Abimelech. Uh, so, yeah. I, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's kind of a theme in a lot of these beautiful Bible characters' lives that their beauty uh, wasn't necessarily a blessing. Right. And it even wasn't confined to women, right? Because we have the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Mm -hmm. So we learn in that story, Joseph was really handsome and he was working for Potiphar and she tried to seduce him, right? Because she thought, oh, he's so handsome. I I really want this guy. And and he resisted. And that ended up with him spending years in jail. (laughs) So this is not, this is not a good situation either, right? And of course, in all these stories, what we see, though, as a common theme is God is sovereign through it all. Right. And of course, God was working good despite the difficulties. So we see that eventually Joseph comes to power and is able to to save many, many people through the role that he gets. But I think that at that point in time, this was a very difficult thing for him Absolutely. to be spending these years in prison. And so I just think about 
And, you know, this show is about women who wrestle body image issues and comparison. And one of the biggest things that we talk about is, you know, wrestling the lie that beauty tells us, right? Because mm. beauty, I think as an idol, not God's kind of beauty, of course, but beauty as an idol, beauty as our culture defines it, promises us that life will be better if we can have mm -hmm. it, right? People will love us more. If you're single, you'll get married. If you're mm -hmm. married, your husband will never do anything to hurt you because you're so beautiful. Mm. And then we can look at the Bible and see the reality of that. You know, or you can be so beautiful that your husband's like, oh, hey, hon, you're going to have to go marry Pharaoh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, like, it's crazy. It but is crazy. I, but I think it's good to be in touch with the reality of that, that, and, you know, and I think there's also this tendency to believe that if someone has great physical beauty, that they have been blessed in a way that's superior to the way mm. other people are blessed. But, but there again, I think about Rachel and Leah's story. Mm -hmm. Leah is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Like Absolutely. Great Absolutely. purpose for her <laughs> life, right? I mean, tremendous purpose for her life. Yes. But he had given her everything she needed physically to accomplish mm -hmm. that purpose. She didn't have to be hot to get done what God <laughs> needed her to get done, right? Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compareddowho.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. true it's true and i yeah let's definitely circle back to rachel and leo because i think that um when you think of beauty as a pursuit you just have to kind of add that to the list of empty pursuits right like fame wealth all these things that if god gives us those things we can use those for his glory and we should but to pursue those things is going to be an empty thing because like in the story of rachel and leo we see she had the beauty she had the romance she was, she had arrived kind of right? right. Like in all these things that we want in modern day. And yet she still wasn't happy. Right. Um, but in, but in Leah's life, we see, you know, the contentment, despite not getting what she necessarily wanted. And then of course, yeah, to, to look back and uh, take a step back and get perspective from Leah's story here, as it played out over the years, God was doing amazing things through Leah. <laughs> so Leah's son was Levi. He was, that was all the tribe of Levites was descended from him. And, and we see such amazing Bible characters descending from Leah, from the tribe of Levi. So we have Moses who led God's people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. We have Aaron. We have John the Baptist. We have the prophet Isaiah. These are, these are really power players in the story of God's kingdom and the story of God's people. And of course, the line of Judah is the kingly line. We have, we have King David who wrote the Psalms. We have Solomon coming from that line um, who built the temple and wrote the Proverbs. These are, these are 
men that God used in mighty ways. And then, of course, like you mentioned before, uh, Jesus, the King of Kings, eventually descends from Leah. So you can see that um, God had big plans for her. And in the end, it didn't matter that her husband didn't love her and her father rejected her, or those things at least pale in comparison to the fact that God was going to use her and her descendants in mighty ways to build his kingdom. Such a cool thing. And I think that's so helpful for me to, to give me perspective, just to remind myself, I don't even understand everything that God is doing in my life. And that's, that's a beautiful thing because he can be doing things beyond our imagination that we don't see. And that can give us, I think, endurance to help us through the struggles and those disappointments to where we think, oh, my life isn't going how, how I want it to. That can help us turn our hearts to God in praise because we see, wow, look what he was doing through Leah. Her right. life was crummy, but really in the end, it was amazing what, what God accomplished through right. her. Yeah. I mean, she suffered, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this uh, suffering, I think, is, is a perfectly, I mean, goodness gracious, if you go on your honeymoon and you wake up and your husband says, oh my, it's you, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're suffering in that scenario, but, but God, God was with her through that. And then, but then to something you said earlier, beauty in, in, in and of itself as a purpose is not, not a helpful pursuit, but God does give women beauty when it aligns with what he has for them to do. And so that makes me think of Esther, of course, right? Because had Esther just been an average looking girl, she would not have been chosen <laughs> as a potential queen, right? So talk to me about that story a little right. So Esther was chosen to replace Queen Vashti, which is another one of those characters where beauty didn't seem to be a great asset for her, right? Because she, the whole reason she was kicked out was because she wouldn't do this dance for right. her husband and his friends. But that's kind of another, yeah. another story. <laughs> <laughs> so Esther was chosen from the young ladies because she pleased the king. And it, part of that was her appearance. She was very beautiful. And so I think in the case of Esther, the takeaway for us is definitely to use what we've been given from God for his purposes and for his glory. Because in the Bible, we have these verses that tell us like charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And I think we also can see in our culture around us, women trying to use their beauty in ways that they shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. To manipulate others, to get themselves ahead or all kinds of (laughs) temptations that I think we can face as women. But in Esther's case, we do see that her beauty gave her a foot in the door Mm -hmm. And then God was able to use her in that position to do these bold, brave things to persuade the king to save her people. And that that was definitely huge. So so she definitely stands out as, yes, I think we know she was beautiful because that was such an important part of her story. You know, there are so many other women that it doesn't mention whether they were beautiful or not. Um, it's interesting, actually, as I was researching to do my Bible study, some of the women I wrote on, so like Ruth, she would be one where we don't know what she looked like. It just doesn't tell us. But I think because that's because it's not important for us to know, because that wasn't the main quality that we saw in Ruth. We saw that she's loyal and she's hardworking and she chooses God over going back to her pagan roots and all these other great qualities. In fact, she's the only woman in the Bible that's called the woman of noble character specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what Boaz calls her because he recognizes in her this great, the great qualities of the woman of noble character. And 
Another story would be uh, Rahab's legend actually has it that she was very, very beautiful, Mm -hmm. which I mean, who knows if we can trust legend, but it doesn't say that in the Bible at all. And I think because it's not important to her story, what's important is again, she chose God over her pagan background and she was bold enough and brave enough to help the Israelite spies. And she was basically this key player in them winning the battle of Jericho and them moving into the promised land. Those were the things that were important about her. It really didn't matter what she looked like in the end. It's cool to think about just how God uses women. And, and yes, we do have that example in Esther of her beauty gave her a foot in the door, but we also have these examples of these other women who God was using other qualities in them. It wasn't all about how they looked in the end. Her, her beauty gave her a fit in the door, but then she had to risk her life right. to do what was necessary, right? So it, it's right. not just that it was enough that she's just like, oh, okay, I'm hot. I'll just like, everything's fine now. No, I mean, she had to risk her life. And I, I'm not wrong. Like actually, well, it was a risk for her to go in front of the king oh, to ask right. for his time, right? To, because he right. hadn't invited her in or whatever. I mean, just like yeah, the so courage. This- This was an easy street for her just because she looked good. (laughs) But I think the important thing is she was willing to use the opportunity that she was given. She was willing to use those good looks and her courage on top of it to help. Yeah. Yeah. To help God's people. Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely. But I feel like, I mean, I I love the church. We're both married to pastors. Mm -hmm. But I feel like sometimes in the church, like we've just gotten this. We've missed it. It's like, oh, Esther was she was pretty queen, so everyone should be like Esther. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think I think what we should acknowledge about Esther is her courage. You know, mm-hmm. oh Rachel, she's so so beautiful. You know, Rachel and Leah, like we talked about before, like I choose Rachel. Well, maybe we should dig in a little bit, <laughs> dig in a little bit more there. Maybe you wouldn't choose Rachel if you dug into the whole story. And and then you know Ruth, we hear about Ruth. And again, I always feel like probably just being an American growing up in this culture, I feel like it was like, oh, Ruth, yeah, that's a nice story. (laughs) Esther, man, that's the one, you know, like that's the one you want, right? And and then, but then there's Bathsheba, Hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing. And I think you enlightened me on some things with Bathsheba. Fill that out a little bit there. Maybe how her beauty wasn't an asset for her. Well, I definitely. Feel like Bathsheba could be one of those who her beauty ended up being a hardship in her life. Or so with Bathsheba, we of course have this story of her relationship with King David. She was, and and I had these like mis misperceptions about her story. I had like pigeonholed her as she's like some floozy. She's on the rooftop having this uh, revealing bath. <laughs> I think maybe I just didn't want David to like fall from grace so far. I wanted to kind of blame her a bit. But anyways, when you dig deep into there into her story with King David, you see that actually she she seems pretty squeaky clean. I mean, of course we can't say for sure, but if you're just basing it on scripture. So she was taking a bath because it was her ceremonial cleansing. And so that doesn't even necessarily mean that she was exposed. She was in her home like doing this ceremonial cleansing, which is like a proof that she's devout, really, if nothing else. It was David who was on the rooftop being the peeping Tom. And it was a period in time when he wasn't even supposed to be around. It says in the scripture that it was the time when the kings were off in war. So he, his soldiers were out there 
fighting this uncomfortable battle. And here he was back at home living in luxury in his palace, doing whatever he pleased. And so we see in this story that David was the one making the bad choice of seeing Bathsheba and then allowing the lust to snowball into he sent for her and then it was adultery and then it was the cover up of murder. It just gets worse and worse, right? Right, right. (laughs) So then, of course, they have this child and as a consequence, this child dies. And and Bathsheba's husband had died. David had him murdered. So from Bathsheba's perspective, we have, okay, like the king is sending for her. He's wanting her. He's lusting after her. We don't know the details of exactly what happened, but obviously they had this affair. She was pregnant. She lost her husband. She lost this baby. There's just a lot of heartache going on here. Um, And again, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a sad story for Bathsheba as far as her beauty goes. I think we see people mistreating other people based on their looks a lot in the Bible. But one neat thing we see about Bathsheba is, again, similar to a lot of these other stories, the Lord had his hand on her and he was looking out for her. And so then David did come to this point of repentance, right? Like the prophet Nathan confronted him with this story about this little sweet lamb and the man taking the lamb, which in the story, Bathsheba was the lamb. So of course, like this is not like a seductive, (laughs) it doesn't make her seem like she's part of the problem here. It makes David seem like he's the one responsible for this heinous stuff that's happening. So then David's convicted And his relationship with God is restored. He starts writing the Psalms again. They have Solomon, this rainbow baby, and and Bathsheba becomes the queen mother, right? So like she's in this position where she's raising Solomon. And if you read his Proverbs, you hear this respect for his mother. You know, he says many times, listen to your mother's teaching, obey your father's teaching. And so we see that she's actually gone from a position of kind of being a nobody to this influence position. She's sitting next to him, uh, it says in some places in scripture. And Solomon, of course, wrote the Proverbs and was wealthy and wise and had this most opulent kingdom, human kingdom there ever was. And so it's kind of amazing what happened in their life. And then of course she ends up, she and Solomon end up in the bloodline of Christ also. So she ends up being kind of this unlikely woman to be included in the bloodline of Christ out of this whole, you know, her relationship with David started in this adulterous affair. And yet God was able to bring beauty from the ashes of her grief and her loss and able to, you know, eventually bring about the savior from their family. So it really is a beautiful, beautiful story in the end. Yeah, I love that. Hey friends, Heather here. Summer is coming and summer tends to be a time for those of us with body image and comparison issues where body image issues can flare. We think about putting away sweaters and coats and putting on shorts and uh, even swimsuits and body image issues can go out of control. But I want you to be free this summer. And so that's why I'm inviting you to take part in a program I call the Spring Break Free. Now, this program is one I created several years ago, kind of follows some of the content in the book compared to who. I've offered it before on my website and on Facebook and on YouTube. So if you've been with me a while, you may have already gone through it. But I hope that you'll take this chance to go through it again. And if you're newer around here, let me tell you, this is the perfect opportunity for you to start on an intentional journey 
out of body image issues and into new freedom before summer comes. So here's how it's going to happen. Starting Monday, April 12th, you'll be able to download a day of the spring break free program every single day through the month of April and into May. These are short little bonus episodes of the podcast, but if you subscribe to this podcast, they'll show up in your podcast carrier just like normal and you can listen to them day by day or you can just binge them all when you have extra time. Every episode is, you know, six to 10 minutes and they'll take you in progression through my story of overcoming body image struggles through the gospel. And then I'll start you on a journey with very practical tips on how you can overcome your body image struggles and prepare your heart for summer. Plus, each day on the blog at compared to who.me, you can find questions that you can use in your quiet time for reflection. There's links that go with each episode. So bookmark compared to who.me and follow along there too so you can really make the most of this journey together. So who, who was your favorite? Which one did you Oh my. Which one was most interesting to you? Like that you were maybe where you learned something new or I think it kind of just depends on what I'm going through at the time who I okay. relate to more. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I definitely learned the most in the story of Tamar. Her story, I mean, <laughs> her story is a very uh R-rated kind of story that's uncomfortable and that we don't talk about in church very much. It's this it's a Tamar and Judah story. There are a few right. different Tamars in scripture, but the one we're talking about is Tamar and Judah. So this is Judah that is Leah's son that we already talked about a little bit. Oh, I learned so much <laughs> from uh studying Tamar. Now, the reason I didn't talk about her is it's kind of a rabbit trail from talking about beauty, but I'll just I'll try to make it quick here. I'll try to give you the cliff note version. Yeah. So in the story of Tamar, we Judah encounters her when he's kind of in this prodigal son moment of, of his life. Like he sold Joseph into slavery. He's gone away from his family. He's living with the Canaanites, which is like a no-no. He's just kind of this rogue, right? Like he's in this rebellious phase and he gets married. He has these three, three sons. Well, his sons are wicked. His wicked sons end up marrying Tamar. And the first one dies because he's so wicked. (laughs) And then she marries the second one. And the second one decides to do wicked things. And um, God decides to strike him dead also. Mm -hmm. And they had this tradition back then of the widow was supposed to be given to uh, the next son if she didn't have a son of her own. And this was kind of like a way to take care of the widow and a way to preserve the family line. There was just a lot of it was a very purposeful thing that they did. So what Judah does is he tells Tamar, hey, I, I'm going to give you my other son. Just wait, though. He's too young right now. Go back, live with your parents all the time, never intending to actually make this happen. So he's not fulfilling this duty of giving her his son in marriage to produce offspring and to continue their family line because he's afraid. He didn't know his sons got struck down because they were evil. He just thought, oh, well, she's the common denominator here. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's stay away from her. Yeah. <laughs> so the years go on and Tamar realizes that, okay, this is not happening. Like, he's not fulfilling what he was supposed to their family is just kind of leaving me behind right they're not releasing me from my obligation like technically I'm engaged to his son Mm -hmm. but they're not they're not it's not happening (laughs) and so she kind of takes matters into her own hands in a way that is the and this is the reason it's not talked about very much because she dresses up like a harlot so it's kind of in a way that's like deceitful and seductive which we don't really understand in our culture and and you shouldn't really deceive people and you shouldn't seduce people. But 
I think when we put it in context, it makes a little more sense. So anyways, she, Judah thinks she's a harlot, sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant and there's an, and, but when Judah finds, he doesn't know it's her. When he finds out, he sees red. He is enraged that his son's fiance is pregnant. Like this is, he's ready to kill her, like literally kill her for it. Um, and so what I, the, the neat thing that we see in the story of Tamar is that at this point in the story, she decides to show Judah mercy for the kind of woman in the situation that she was in having this family that's not fulfilling their end of the bargain to her. It actually spells it out in scripture that she has every right to publicly disgrace them, to spit in their face, Mm -hmm. to remove their sandal, which was like the feet were a symbolic thing back then and spit in their face and disgrace their family forevermore, call them the family of the unsandaled. And it was like a big deal. But instead of doing that, Tamar decides to quietly say to Judah, she had had some of his stuff from when they had their encounter. And she says, this is the man, the man whose things these are, are the one who's the father of this child. And at that moment, Judah realizes that she hasn't chosen to disgrace their family and that instead she's being loyal, albeit in this kind of strange way. (laughs) And actually a father-in-law was allowed to be one of those people that could fulfill this family obligation. So it's not like super far-fetched that Judah would be the one to be her husband. The cool thing about this is that we see this moment of small, and and Judah says about her, you are more righteous than I. Like he Mm -hmm. has this moment of conviction where he realizes what he had done was wrong and that she had treated him with greater kindness than he deserved to be treated at that point. But the cool, (laughs) the amazing thing about that is that it's like this tiny moment, but it's this huge pivotal turning point. Mm -hmm. So we see then Judah, it's like, he's a changed man. So, so then Judah decides to be reunited with his family. And that point he goes back and there's this big famine. They need to travel. Jacob needs to send his sons to Egypt in order to get food so that they can survive. And so then he turns from kind of being prodigal son to being the leader that he needs right. to be, that his family needs right. him to be. And so I think we see in that story, this whole unfolding of God uses Tamar, this, and she was a Canaanite. She was not like one of God's people, right? We see her actions of loyalty and mercy, even though, you know, she had this strange way of doing it to really just change the whole story of, of God's people. And so it's really beautiful. So that was a huge, (laughs) I learned so much from studying her story. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And this is the book, Significance six ordinary women. I will tell you, um, one extraordinary God didn't mean to cut that off. Uh, I will tell you <laughs> that I really, really enjoyed this study. I thought it was great. I loved, you have a very conversational way of writing that I loved. And Thank I think, you. Um, I think anyone watching or listening today that likes my stuff would like this as well. You bring out <laughs> a lot of, a lot of just really practical, very usable points from, from the passages and from the women you're studying. And I, I think it's a great book. So I highly recommend Rachel Reisner's study significant. You can get it on Amazon and, and those places. And Rachel, Thank tell you. everyone where they can connect with you. Well, you can connect with me at my website, rachelreisner.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, and that would be at Rachel C. Reisner. And I hope you do connect with me. I would love that. And of course, 
as Heather said, the book is on Amazon. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thanks again so much. Yes, for thank you. To us about these Bible women and beauty oh, and all those my things. My pleasure. So it was a, a, a good and educational time, I think, <laughs> for everyone. So, and thank you for listening. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Mm. Bye-bye. Hey, Heather here. If you're loving what you hear on this podcast, but feel like you could use just a little bit more help in getting free from body image and comparison issues, I have an idea for you. Let's work together. There are several different ways you can do this. You can join our refocus online group. It's happening on my website a few times a year, or you can sign up for group or individual coaching. I love helping women find freedom. Our time together won't be about your food or your exercise habits necessarily. Instead, we'll dig into what's really going on in your heart. Almost all the issues we struggle with in life have a spiritual root, and that's what I want to help you uncover. Go to comparedtowho.me and look for the coaching tab to find out more. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.